concerning the upside-down kingdom. When we're part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, everything that he teaches is upside-down as far as the world is concerned, isn't it? And this morning, we want to talk about the kingdom influence and impact that Jesus Christ calls us to. And for our text, we are reading from Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. So please read along with us in the word of God. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, Father, this morning we pray that you would glorify your name as your spirit who has authored this word makes it real to our hearts. Give us ears to hear, hearts to obey, and feet that are swift to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Well, as we've been moving through the first of the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5, on the surface it might seem that the topics are all kind of standalone. So the first section of Matthew 5 are, of course, the Beatitudes, which deal with the character that Jesus says we are to develop if we are to be truly people of the kingdom. And as a result of the character formation of Christ in our hearts, the response of the world to that is the guarantee that we will be persecuted. We will be persecuted. The scripture says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There are no ands, ifs, or buts about it. If you've committed your life to Christ, if you've said, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to become conformed to your image, you will suffer persecution. And now in today's text, Jesus challenges his disciples how we are to live in such a way that we are to reflect the character of the king. And when we reflect the character of the king, we have great influence and impact in the world in which we live. And as we've read in our text this morning, Jesus uses salt and light as the two metaphors that explain how we are to exert that influence and that impact that he's called us to have in the world. You know, we take salt for granted because it's such a staple in our lives and so common. We don't even think about it and we don't 
appreciated perhaps as much as we should, for we're told that there are over 14,000 uses for salt. I know we only think about the salt shaker that we use at the table, but the scientists have developed and discovered that there are over 14,000 uses of salt, and I'm not even going to get into any of those because we could spend, obviously, the rest of the morning talking about how salt is useful in so many ways. But think about Jesus using this metaphor in his day and in his time because salt was a rare and a precious commodity. In fact, the first century Roman soldiers were actually compensated with salt. How many of you would like at the end of the week to receive a bag of salt for your pay? But that is how their monthly allowance was paid. And in Latin, which was the language of the day, it was called their salarium, which means of or pertaining to salt. And can you guess? From there we get the word salary. And also the expression, that person isn't worth their salt, which means they're not worth the pay that they are receiving. Well, enough of that trivia. But salt is also seen as a very important commodity in the word of God. Interesting to notice that it was a necessary ingredient in the grain offerings that the children of Israel were commanded to bring to the Lord. And also when incense was created. For we read in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 13, in every offering of your grain offering, you shall season it with salt. Likewise, light also has great, great significance in the scriptures. It's mentioned over 250 times. The first time we see light is right in the beginning. Genesis 1 and verse 3. The first words out of the mouth of God. Let there be light. The last time you see light mentioned in the scripture is in the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22 and verse 5. And there shall be no night in heaven. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light. And we know who the light is, right? Jesus is the light of the city. And then there are these other significant verses in the Bible that speak about light. And certainly John 1.5 is so critically important because it describes the character and the essence of God himself. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And in John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then uh, John in his uh, epistle, in the third chapter of his epistle, in uh, verses 19 through 21, he speaks of light as a metaphor of walking in the truth. And those who are not walking in the light are then walking in darkness, which means they are walking in deception. And so we need to ask ourselves this morning, am I walking in the light? If I'm walking in the light, then I'm walking in truth. If I'm in darkness, then I'm walking in deception. And none of us want to be walking in deception, that's for sure. Well, all of that to say, considering the value of salt 
and its place in temple worship and the significance of light in the word of God, when Jesus now speaks about these metaphors, he certainly has captured the attention of his audience. And so this morning, I want us to look more closely at the words of Jesus so that you and I can understand what it means when he says, you are the salt of the earth. And in verse 16, you are the light of the world. And you notice on the slide, I emphasize the word you. Because do you know who Jesus is speaking about and speaking to? You, 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 and every one of us. Why don't you turn around and tell someone, you are the salt of the earth. And now tell them, you are the light of the world. That is who you are. Now, sadly, these words of Jesus have really become cliche-ish, haven't they? And when we introduced this uh, sermon series, I said so much in the Sermon on the Mount uh, become pious platitudes. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And, and they're just poetic words. But I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us would receive the challenge of God's word that he is speaking to us this morning and telling us that we need to get out of the salt shaker and understand that what God is calling us to do. I know so often when we hear sermons on you are the salt of the earth, it's all about do, 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 do. And yes, that has a part, but that is not primarily what Jesus is saying here. Primarily what he is saying here is your very essence as my disciple is you are salt. If you have Jesus in your life, you are salt. If you have the light of Jesus in your life, then you are light. That is who you are. Jesus isn't talking to us this morning about doing a certain thing to make our world a better place because we need to understand we can't do anything until we are first being the persons that God has called us to be and not to do. Understand this maxim. If you're taking notes, write it down. In the kingdom of God, being always precedes doing. And I know in Christian churches, we're often taken up with doing. I'm a Christian. I need to serve. I need to do. Yes, you do. But first, you need to be. You need to be the person that Jesus called you to be. Now, who is that person? Well, he explained it in the Beatitudes. This is the foundation for who we are to become once we become kingdom Christians. Poor in spirit, that is at the very foundation. I can't walk around like the cock of the walk. I recognize I am bankrupt. I am nothing without God and have nothing apart from his grace. I need, I need, I need him. I need the benefits of the cross and I thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ because that brings me into a relationship with God that allows the Holy Spirit to come into me and to conform me to the image of Christ 
I'm a person who needs to mourn over my sin and not think that I'm some self-righteous Pharisee because I come to church every Sunday. I need to be meek and mild. I need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I need to be merciful. I need to be pure in heart. I need to be a peacemaker. And if you've missed any of these Beatitudes, they're on the website. You could catch each of those sermons. But it's only when we become that that we can then become salt and life, light. And God can use us to have a powerful influence and impact in the world in which we live. You know, so often we are so mistaken with our notion that we can measure our success as Christians by how people perceive us in the house of God. Well, if you see me in the front pew doing a, a Holy Ghost dance, you're gonna say, oh wow, pastor, he just really is walking in the spirit. Well, you have to ask my wife because that's where the rubber meets the road and she will tell you whether or not I am being conformed to the image of Christ. We need to understand this morning that it's not about our ministry, it's not about our giving, it's not about our service. That is all for naught if we are not being conformed to the image of Christ. It begins there and we respond to the call of Christ and allow the Spirit of God to conform us and change us from glory unto glory as we spend time with God as we fellowship in, with the Spirit in the Word of God and, and as we fellowship together with other saints and, and commune together. And God is using all of that to make us like Him. And so wherever God plants us, first at home, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. You know, so, so often we just get real zealous. I, I want to go to China and preach the gospel. You can even preach the gospel in your own neighborhood. In our workplace, in our schools, wherever it is, God has called us to make a difference in this world because salt and light makes a difference. The problem is with our churchianity instead of our Christianity mentality, we think it all happens within the confines of the four walls of a building. But God didn't save us to warm a pew. God didn't save us only to be salt and light to fellow believers. It's this sin-sick, corrupt, dark world that needs salt and that needs light. See, Christians have become so concerned about having church rather than being the church. And that's why the world is in the condition that it's in today. Because Jesus didn't call us to just have church. He called us to be the church wherever we are in our everyday life. To salt the earth and to be lights that shine brightly in a very dark, dark world. I think this is a good place to say to your neighbor again, you are the salt of the earth. Turn around and tell them. And you tell them you are the light of the world. Amen. Salt and light 
have three things in common that I want us to underscore this morning. Firstly, salt and light both have penetrating properties. Salt and light both invade whatever space to which they are introduced. Salt, we know, penetrates food, and aren't we thankful for that? And enhances its flavor, because what's worse than eating tasteless food? It might be healthy, but does it taste good? And I'm grateful that God has blessed me with good health, and the salt shaker is my friend. Even Job knew there was nothing worse than tasteless food because he said, can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? You need some salt on that egg, brother. But as salt penetrates, it also serves as a preservative. And that was especially meaningful in Jesus' day because we know there was no refrigeration. And so if they wanted to keep meat around for any length of time, they would salt it. And as that salt got into the pores of that meat, it preserved it and kept it fresh. Salt preserves unwanted growth. If you don't want something to grow in your garden, pour some salt on it and you'll kill it in a hurry. If you salt meat, bacteria doesn't grow either. And so the application is really clear, isn't it? As the salt of the earth, we are bringing a preserving effect that is staving off the corruption that is seeking to overtake our society and the world in which we live. We're living in a world today that doesn't want to preserve truth but wants to pervert truth distort truth, deny truth, even in its most basic elements. You know, the world demands that we accept how they think. You know, they're woke, so you better be woke, or if you're not woke, then you're not being kind and you're not being politically correct. And we're expected to buy whatever they are trying to sell us, even if it flies in the face of what is sane and logical and rational. And anyone who has two bits of a brain knows that when God created humanity, he created male and he created female. He did not create he, she. He did not create binary, People And it just amazes me that we're living in a world today that when they ask you about yourself, they say, are you male, are you female, or are you binary? I mean, this is a sick, sick world that we are living in, and Christians can't buy into it. We are salt. We are to have the opposite effect of what the world is seeking to do. I was recently so appalled as I was on a a Twitter feed where I saw a church full of alleged Christians who were cheering as a parade of transvestites went up and down the aisle. 
dressed in ill-clad clothing that was a sacrilege in the house of God, yet they were being applauded because this is what the world says is acceptable and right. No, 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 no. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. Everything that is sacred is being mocked, is being hated, and those of us who align ourselves with the word of God are also being mocked and hated because we believe what God says about how it really, really is. So we need to ask ourselves this morning, how is my life salting the life of others and influencing them toward godliness? You know, salt makes you thirsty. Are, are, are we making those that we know who don't know Jesus thirsty? Is our influence, are our words, our attitudes, our speech, do they see something in us? Do they feel something about us? See, even before we say a word, there's something about our being that radiates from the inside out that makes people know there is something different about you. And I've watched your attitude. I've watched how you behave. I've watched your posture in difficult circumstances. And I know it's not normal to act that way. What is it? They ask a reason for the hope that lies within you. And so you then tell them about Jesus. The second thing that we learn about salt and light is that they're actually both needed to sustain life. We need proper sodium levels in our bodies. And if those sodium levels get too low, there's a condition that's called hyponatremia. And Deb, am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> but that condition is, can be fatal. And people who have hyponatremia need to get rushed to the hospital and get pumped with fluids and with saline so that their salt levels can come up again, so that their body can function in a healthy way. The same is true about light. Without natural light, what happens? Can you grow a plant without light? Photosynthesis cannot take place without light, so vegetation will die if there is no light. It's been medically proven and documented as well where there are low light conditions, humans, you and I need the sun to be healthy because the sun brings vitamin D that boosts our immunity and without having a good immunity, we can't ward off COVID. And yet the CDC was saying, shut her down in your house. Don't go out. And that just made us more sick because we needed the sun. We needed to breathe God's air. But that's another story for another time. They should never have locked us down. And again, it begs the question this morning, since salt and light are necessary elements for life, are you and I offering those life-giving hope to a corrupt and a dying world by being salt and light in this world? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul challenged the Philippians to? That you may become blameless and harmless children of light of God without fault. Where are we living? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I wonder what the Apostle Paul would say about the world in which we're living today. But guess what? In that first century, there was a lot of debauchery as well. 
And he recognized that and he recognized that those who came out of that kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, that they needed to live a life that was antithetical and diametrically opposed to everything that belonged to darkness. And you shine, shine. You don't just glimmer. You shine brilliantly as lights in the world. You know, where there is great darkness, any light shines brilliantly. And that's what God has called us to do. Shine as lights in the world as we hold fast the word of God. Oh yeah, they tell me that's, that's what you need. Oh, that's not in the Bible. Oh yes, it is. I'm gonna hold fast the word of God. I don't care who I offend. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. I don't hate anyone. I'm, I'm not biased toward anyone. But this is my standard for living. It's the word of God. I cannot compromise it. I cannot deviate from it. I must adhere to it because it is the path to leads to light and to life, to truth, who is Jesus himself. Otherwise, I will walk and live in deception. And a day is coming when there's going to be a lot of surprises. Because some people think that because I walked into a church and because I embraced a creed, that I have a ticket into heaven. You have no ticket into heaven until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord over your life and you don't call the shots and society doesn't call the shots and TV doesn't call the shots and the leftist media doesn't call the shots and your political party doesn't call the shots. You are a kingdom person. You belong to a different place and geography. Your citizenship is in heaven. And that's where we're all going to live someday forever and forever. And thirdly, salt and light have purifying and healing qualities. I think we all know that salt is not only for a salt shaker, but it also has a place in the medicine cabinet because it has the power to heal. It's a great antiseptic. And we've learned that it has antiviral properties. And as in, in fact, in a recent clinical study, it showed that when you gargle with salt water, when you have a sore throat or you feel a virus or a cold coming on, it will certainly diminish the, the uh, intensity and the length of that virus in your body. We know that light is also a good disinfectant. And light is used to kill bacteria, germs, and viruses. In fact, I, I recently learned that they are now using UV light to disinfect public restrooms. Interesting, light. Those of us who belong to the light should get excited that if people in the world recognize that light can kill germs and sickness, you and I know that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the light that is shining in us can kill the pollution that is in the world. That when you come into a conversation where there is darkness, when you walk in, your UV light, your light of the Son of God that is shining through your countenance, uh-oh, Mandela's here, I better stop saying what I'm saying. And that goes for each and every one of us. We know the world in which we live is so infected and infested and evil continues to permeate. The only way to stave it off is to shine the light of Jesus Christ. The challenges are so real this morning, Christian friends. You know, sometimes we just become oblivious to all the darkness that is around us. 
but we must move outside of the four walls of the church and become salt and light that the world so desperately needs. Because Jesus told us very plainly if we fail, if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be salted? Let me read that verse in the Message Bible. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Those are sobering words. And that's just a contemporary paraphrase of what Jesus was really saying. And then he says, we will become totally ineffective if we hide our light under a bushel. He said, don't put a basket over the light. Its illuminating rays are then hidden. It needs to go on a stand. And when you put it high on a stand, then that light has the ability to overflow and shine through a greater part of space. Let me read again that verse in the Message Bible. Verses 14 through 16. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! Shine, Christian, shine. Jesus put you on a light stand. What are you doing if you are the light of the world? Why are we not shining? Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Sober warnings and challenges in our Christian lives. We must never become apathetic this morning. We must never become complacent about our calling. It is a high and a holy calling that God called us to be an influence. He's called us to have an impact in the world. And if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot remain silent. He never called us to remain silent. We cannot be passive. We cannot be embarrassed. That is not being salt and light. When the church is being what it's called to be, it becomes the means of waking up a culture that has fallen into a state of unconsciousness. We're responsible as Christians to promote biblical values. If we don't speak up, Look what has happened in the schools, teaching elementary school children about every which issue concerning depraved sex. And they think that's healthy. And then parents who were wise enough, and many of which were not even Christians, said, if anybody's going to teach my child about sex, it's going to be me, not a school teacher and not a, not a corrupt depraved, perverse curriculum that wants to introduce my child to a subject that they have no ability to assimilate and then they're called by the attorney general domestic terrorists 
Do you see, that's the America that we're living in today. Christians, as I preached last Sunday, are the ones that are being targeted. I just saw on the news that, that the Southern Baptist Convention is being targeted by our, our FBI. What, what does the church do wrong? Instead of going after the criminals and instead of putting 85,000 agents into our schools to protect our children, no, they're giving 85,000 IRS agents to come after you and me and to make sure we don't owe the government a penny that we've not paid them. It's time to speak up and speak out concerning policies that are against the word of God. You know where this is going? They want to take the 50C3 status away from the church so that you don't get tax credit for what you give to the house of God and so that this church has to pay taxes on this property. We already have to pay some, some tax because we have six acres. And in New Jersey, anything over five acres, even if you're a tax-exempt organization, you need to pay. So that property on that side of the church is a tax bill that we need to pay every year and it just grieves me. How is it that we as a church have to pay tax? But you mark my words, the day is coming. They're, they're going to try their hardest to, to get us and to make every church suffer and especially those that are preaching the gospel. Why are they, why are they hiring 85,000 agents? Because they want to come after God-fearing Christians who hold Christian values, who care about killing babies. They don't care about killing babies, but we do because God says, thou shalt not kill. And before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. They are creations of God. And I thank God for those people who are salt and life, who go to the Planned Parenthood centers and are salt and life and pray. And if they have an opportunity, encourage these women who are undecided. I don't think I want to keep this baby. But just, just please, go, go, go have that, what's that called? I always forget. It's ultrasound. I always want to say sonogram. That, that ultrasound that shows you and I think it, it, the statistics say in 99% of the cases that when that mother sees that baby in her womb she realizes there's no way I could kill this baby this is what Christians are encouraged to do to vote their values so that the right people are legislating in our land if Christians were out of the four walls of the church and were in the world as salt and light, taking their place in the legislator, taking their place in the boards of education, taking their place as teachers, etc., everywhere in media, I don't think America would be where it is because we've had this mentality, oh, we need to be separate, come out from among them. Yeah, come out from among them. Be like Jesus and not like the world. Come out from among them, but also be salt and light. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. How, how do we do that? By coming to church? We need to get stirred up with some kind of zeal. Teachers, I encourage you, if there's something in, in your child's curriculum that you don't agree with, you need to voice your opinion as a godly parent and let them know they have no right doing this because they're going to listen when they realize the majority of people are against. You know, that's the amazing thing about America. 
The loudest voices are the smallest minorities, but because they're the loudest voices, they get all the attention. And then laws are passed, and Christians just sit back and let it happen. God help us today to be salt and light. And I want to close this morning with this quote by a great theologian. His name was John Scott, who loved God and was powerful for the kingdom of God. Listen to these words. If you got nothing else out of my message this morning, I want you to take in this quotation. If the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house because that's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? If meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. That is what happens when bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question is, where is the salt? If society becomes corrupt, like a dark night or a stinking fish, don't put the blame where it doesn't belong because that is what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question to ask is, where is the church? Sila. where is the church? You and I need to ask ourselves that question, where is the church? Where am I this morning? Understanding that I am the church. You know, we, we want to blame it on, oh, that's High Street Worship Center. Well, who's High Street Worship Center? Each and every one of us. Every person who is in a pew this morning is High Street Worship Center. And that means I'm part of the answer. And I will be the answer as I choose to be salt and light. As I give a yes to Jesus. And I don't know what the Spirit of God is challenging you to in your own personal life. Whether it's at home, whether it's in the neighborhood, whether it's in the community, whether it's in your workplace. How does he want you to be an influence? To be salt? How does he want you to have impact and be light? Let's surrender to him today and say, Jesus, have your way in my life. Fill me with your fullness and help me to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Amen. We're going to close with the same song that we've sung the last two Sundays.